Well, we'll read this evening from John's Gospel and chapter 21. Whilst you're turning to that, I should probably say I've not come all the way from Wales this evening. <laughs> um, I'm currently teaching at the Faith Mission College over in Gilmerton. And uh, my, my boss, Robert Murdoch, uh, double booked. He would have had to come from Northern Ireland uh, to speak to you uh, tonight. Um, so he sends his apologies. I believe he'll be with you next week. And you'll have to make do with me for this evening. Thank you for the welcome. Okay, John's Gospel, chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. <coughs> Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. <coughs> Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. 
This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And one, the one who had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, it is my will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the disciples that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. This is God's, God's word. Well, we celebrated Easter uh, on the Sunday just gone. Uh, but of course, for uh, the early church, Jesus was among them, revealing himself for several weeks after Easter, uh, leading up uh, to the ascension. Uh, he uh, revealed himself to uh, a number of people. 1 Corinthians 15 uh, mentions several disciples whom he met and occasions when he met the disciples. Another occasion where there were at least 500 people present. Uh, the resurrection is absolutely central to the gospel. And, and Paul makes that clear there in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, they were the official witnesses to this event. Uh, Jesus died. Uh, Jesus also rose again. And his physical return from the dead uh, demonstrated that his sacrifice had been accepted uh, by God. Uh, demonstrated that he, he had been vindicated. He wasn't a sinner. Death could not hold him. Uh, despite all the accusations. Uh, his return from the dead was the beginning of, of a new creation. Uh, beginning of a new kingdom order. And that gives to Christians the assurance that one day we will be resurrected uh, in like fashion. Uh, heaven will not be an ethereal spiritual floating in the sky with a harp kind of experience, we will be raised uh, into physical bodies uh, which can cope with the glory of heaven and with uh, existence for eternity. Uh, Jesus' resurrection guarantees that future uh, for us as Christians. Uh, so Jesus showed himself to his disciples uh, because it was a key part of his work and they were to witness it was to be a key part of his message. Uh, but when he showed himself, uh, every single one of those resurrection appearances uh, was a life-changing experience uh, for the disciples, for the people who met with him. Uh, he didn't just appear and say, look at me. He didn't just stand on a placard and say, look, I, I'm raised, go and tell everyone. Uh, he met with them. And he spoke with them. And he had uh, dealings with them. He dealt with, uh, with their fears. Don't be afraid. Uh, 
He dealt with their unbelief. Why are you so slow to believe? He dealt with their ignorance. He showed them all that the scriptures said would happen to the Christ. He dealt with their sin and with their failure. In John 20, verse 11 to 18, we see him making Mary a witness, the first witness to the resurrection. But he also corrects her misunderstanding. She thinks she can cling to him and go back to the way things were before. And he says, no, things have changed now. We've entered a new phase. I'm going to my God and your God, to my father and your father. We've entered a whole new phase of history. Uh, She can't hold on to the way things were before. In John 20, verses 19 uh, to 23, he meets the the whole group of disciples. Of course, they'd all scattered. They'd all fled. They were all confused. They were all doubting. Uh, They were all hiding. And he came to them and brought a message of peace and a new commission and, and breathed on them and promised them Uh, The Holy Spirit in anticipation of Pentecost. John 20, 24 to 29. He meets the disciples again. And and this time Thomas is there. And Jesus quite literally puts his finger on Thomas's unbelief. And then in the passage that we read. uh, Jesus singles out Peter. Now the Lord who we worship today is the same Lord. Uh, The same Lord who appeared to the disciples uh, those weeks after uh, the resurrection. Uh, He still deals with his people in the same way. He still has the heart, uh, the same heart, the same compassion. Uh, He still uh, breaks into our lives, appears in uh, various ways as he did uh, to his uh, disciples there. They saw him physically. Uh, We meet with him uh, by his spirit. And I want to uh, share some meditations on how the Lord continues to deal with his people. uh, The sort of patterns that he set here uh, after the resurrection. And how he continues to deal with us uh, in in the same way. We'll we'll focus on Peter. uh, And my first uh, thought is... Is simply to recognise Peter's specific need. Peter's specific need. I wonder what's the first thing you think of when your alarm clock goes off in the morning. Uh, some of you will be instantly worrying uh, about uh, the bills or something you have to do. Some of you will be thinking, oh, I've got to go to work. It's Monday. I hate that. Uh, my first thought is usually coffee. Um, Sometimes it's, oh no, the kids are going to be late for school. These are the kind of thoughts uh, that go through our minds. Now, Peter didn't have an alarm clock. But every morning, I imagine him waking up as the cockerel crowed. And as he heard that noise, the first thought in his head is his failure, is his sin. He was always headstrong and overconfident. And and this led to this triple failure uh, on the night of Jesus' trial where he denied Jesus. Uh, Jesus had predicted this back in chapter 13. Uh, You will deny me, Peter, and the cockerel will crow three times. And in chapter 18, we, we read just how that came to be. 
Luke's gospel fills in the detail. As the cockerel crowed for the third time, it says Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine the face of Jesus uh, looking into the eyes of Peter, uh, the pain and the grief, uh, the compassion? Peter, I know you failed. I told you uh, you would fail. I'm going through this suffering in order to pay for your denial and your sin. Uh, How much a look can communicate. Uh, Jesus' eyes. Can you imagine those eyes? Uh, And that look. uh, And how it must have pierced Peter's heart. uh, With the bitter realisation of of what he'd done. And and Luke says he went out and and he uh, wept bitterly. We all have things, uh, places perhaps that we go past, people we see in the street, and they remind us of our past sins and our past failures. Uh, You drive uh, through a neighbourhood and you think, oh, what I did when I was here uh, before I was a Christian. Uh, Paul had a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Peter had this daily reminder of what he'd done. It's as though every morning his alarm clock went off with with the ringtone, sinner, sinner, sinner. And that's what he would have woken up to. Uh, Perhaps you wake up with that sense of your sin too. It's uncomfortable to be aware of sin. uh, But it's also healthy for a Christian uh, to be aware of sin. I'm not talking about the kind of morbid fascination uh, that mulls over our sin and refuses to ever realise God's mercy and forgiveness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that consciousness of what we are if left to ourselves. There but for the grace of God go I. That kind of consciousness keeps us going back to God and grateful for his grace Uh, Psalm 51, 3, the psalmist said, my sin is always before me. It's always in my mind. I'm always aware of it. It reminds us that that peace that Jesus gives is a gift. It's not earned. It's not deserved. Uh, We know when we see our own sinful hearts uh, that what we have from God uh, is an amazing blessing, a, a grace gift we don't deserve. If we become forgetful of what we deserve, if we become insensitive uh, to what we are by nature, uh, ingratitude comes in and pride springs up uh, like a weed. Uh, Peter then had this consciousness of his sin. All the disciples had sinned. Uh, Only Peter would be troubled by the cockerel. Uh, Perhaps the others were stirred by different things. Their consciences moved uh, by sights and sounds and smells which they associated with their failures. I wonder what Mary thought every time she saw a gardener and and remembered her ignorance. I wonder what Thomas thought every time he looked at his finger, at his hand, and what he'd said in in unbelief. Uh, These things would remind them of their sin. Uh, We are all sinners then uh, in a general sense but we each have our specific sins as well just like Peter. Uh, We don't all feel the same temptations. Different sins beset different people. Each one of us falls in our own way. 
Uh, so like Peter, uh, we need the Lord to deal with us. Uh, we need to have ongoing dealings uh, with God, uh, with the Lord Jesus. Uh, not that we dealt with him at some point in the past and now we think we're okay. Uh, but that we continue to seek him and to invite him into our lives to deal with us again and to continue his work. When we become unconscious of our sin and we think there's nothing more for Jesus to do, that we don't need him to deal with us anymore, uh, we're in a very, very dangerous uh, place. But Peter had this terrible trying experience, but it would have kept him humble and open uh, to the Lord's dealings. Uh, so Peter's specific need then uh, that comes out of this uh, story of, of his denial, his betrayal of the Lord Jesus. A second meditation then is to think about the, the general application of, of grace. How did the Lord deal with Peter? Well, some of the Lord's dealings with Peter uh, were, in, were in a group. He was part of the team, part of the, the disciples. Uh, Peter would have been there in the group when, when Mary came to them and said, look what I've just seen. I, I saw these, I, well, forget the angels, I saw the Lord's. And he gave me this message for you. Uh, he said he's going to his father and our father. Uh, Peter would have heard that. Peter would have been part of that hour. A part of that group uh, who could say our father. The message was to the whole group. Uh, but Peter was part of that. He, he would have been there on that first Sunday evening when, when the two men arrived from uh, having rushed back to, to Jerusalem from, from Emmaus, along the Emmaus road, and, and said all, told them all that Jesus had done and all he'd explained from the scripture, uh, Peter would have been there. Uh, he'd have been part of that, that group. And then, of course, Jesus appeared to them in, on that evening, and, and he came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peter was part of that group, uh, hearing the Lord's uh, message of, of peace. For all their troubles and trials and all their confusion, uh, for all Peter's confusion, uh, perhaps his concerns, his anxieties, his worries, would he, would he be excluded now? Well, no, he's part of the group and the Lord says, peace with you. Uh, he would have been there the second Sunday evening. Uh, this time when Thomas was there. And again the Lord came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Uh, Peter would have been part of that group. Uh, he would have heard these, these messages from, from the Lord. Uh, words which came to him as part of the group. Uh, spoken to him along with other people. Uh, Jesus was sending them out and Peter was one of them uh, Jesus breathed on them Peter was one of them uh, Jesus said receive the Holy Spirit to them uh, Peter was was part of that Peter was one of those disciples think who's missing uh, Judas is missing 
Uh, Judas was never really part of them. He was always a blackguard. And so he never heard these words. He never received this peace. Uh, if you're not one of Jesus' disciples, if you're not a Christian, then Jesus' words don't apply to you here. You have to be part of the church. Uh, secondly, think of who is missing the first time. Think of Thomas. Uh, Thomas is part of the group. Uh, Jesus' words are for him. Jesus goes out of his way to show that Thomas has a claim on his peace. Thomas is one of them. He's missing the first time, so I'll come again, because Thomas needs to hear this message. Uh, Jesus' words then apply to all of his people. In, in other words, when he says things to the whole church, when he says things to all believers, if I'm a Christian, I can infer he's saying that to me. If I'm a Christian, I should infer that he's speaking to me. Uh, the scripture is read to the whole church. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, that's a general statement. It doesn't have your name in it. Uh, but it's spoken to the whole church. Have you confessed your sins? Yes. Well, in that case, you can take these words as spoken to you. Uh, personally, and you can apply that to all uh, the promises of Scripture. Uh, the Lord speaks to us as, as a church, as a community. He's dealing with Peter in that way here. Uh, these group occasions must have meant a great deal to Peter. Uh, think of him struggling with the aftermath of that denial. Think of him waking up on another Sunday morning and hearing another cockerel uh, and wishing he could just block out the sound. And he comes and he hears, I'm part of this group and the Lord's given us his peace. That's great help to people. Sometimes when we're suffering in ourselves, perhaps we're struggling with an illness or a bereavement and we simply do not feel like worshipping. We struggle to pray. I don't have the energy to do that. Uh, but I come to church and I'm in fellowship. I'm in a group where other people are praying and where the Lord is speaking to us and he blesses me as a part of the whole. Uh, perhaps you've experienced that. Uh, we need to be in fellowship regularly with one another and in public worship where God's word is preached in general terms uh, to a whole congregation uh, but we need to take those words to our own hearts. He speaks to us as part of the group. Uh, we need those regular reminders just as much as Peter did. As Christians, we need to hear the free offer of the gospel uh, preached in the most general terms uh, because it warms our hearts and encourages us and feeds us. Uh, so Peter had a specific need and, and the Lord uh, at times dealt with him as part of a group, a part of a general application of his grace. Uh, but my third thought here, my third meditation is, um, is to think on the Lord's personal applications of grace. Not in general terms now, uh, 
the Lord did speak to Peter as part of the whole. Uh, but he also at times singled Peter out. Uh, Peter needed grace uh, to be applied to his own wounds in a, in a very uh, direct way. Uh, you can spray a garden with, with, a, with a hose pipe, but you don't water your house plants that way. You take a funnel or a jug and you put the water directly in and the plant food directly in. Uh, we need both uh, as Christians. Uh, the whole scene in the chapter that we read, uh, John 21, is building this tension. It's focusing in more and more on Peter's specific faults and sins. He's received this general message of peace and restoration. Uh, but it seems to me that he's still very much the same Peter. Jesus has said, peace. I'm sending you out to preach. Uh, go preach forgiveness. Uh, but in John 21, we, we find Peter just as restless and impatient as always. Uh, he, he's... He can't wait any longer. The Lord said that last Sunday and now it's Tuesday. And I can't wait any longer. I'm, I'm going fishing, Peter says. Back to the day job. Well, the Lord intends for him to be a fisher of men. And so his fishing trips are doomed to failure. Uh, the Lord wants him about the business of forgiveness, not fish hooks. And so 21 verse 3 through 6 is really pressing home just how barren Peter is with all his impulsiveness. Uh, I'm going to do this today. Off I go. Everyone follow me. And nothing comes of it. Uh, it's, it's, he's barren. Uh, he can't just go back to his old work. Uh, that's not what the Lord wants him to do now. We're being shown that spiritual success and fruitfulness depends on obedience to the Lord. Uh, not on this brash, impulsive restlessness. Uh, it's the same old Peter that we've read about so many times in the Gospels. Well, we're not all called to be full-time fishers of men like Peter. But we are all called to do, uh, to do what we do to God's glory. To be about kingdom business in whatever sphere we're put to work. Uh, but there are times like, like uh, this where uh, the wheels of God's providence seem to turn incredibly slowly. Uh, God has his plans and his purposes. Uh, he's going to work them out but God's eternal. And that means he's never worried about time. Uh, he's never in a hurry at those times like Peter uh, the battle is to be patient. That's not easy. Uh, it requires supernatural grace. A fruit of the Spirit is, is patience. Uh, Peter then is, is still the same old Peter. Uh, the Lord is showing him uh, that his impulsiveness is, is getting him nowhere. Uh, he's singling Peter out. Uh, after this fruitless, uh, impulsive act... Peter finds himself warming himself by a fire. Just a few nights before, when Jesus was on trial, Peter was warming himself by a charcoal fire. 
And once again, Peter is given three opportunities to either confess the Lord or deny his love for the Lord. And again, this leads to Peter being deeply, deeply grieved. Uh, the Lord is boxing Peter in. Uh, there's no escape now. We're not dealing with sin in general terms. Uh, Peter needs grace put on that specific wound. Uh, now some people make a, a big deal of the different Greek words for love in these verses. Uh, that's a red herring. Uh, in the Greek, the words for love have a huge overlap. You can't distinguish the meaning. Uh, what grieves Peter is that he was asked this question three times. And so he's remembering the third time. And the third time he denied. Uh, and the way the cockerel uh, crowed. Uh, that's what's going on here. Uh, the Lord is putting his finger on the specific fault. Peter, you denied me three times. Is that the end of Peter's usefulness? Uh, no, the Lord is restoring him here. It's not comfortable when the Lord takes us aside to deal with our specific sins. His touch can be painful. Uh, but his touch is also restorative. I think of a surgeon's knife. It causes pain when it penetrates the skin and the flesh. But it's designed to bring healing. Uh, to cut out the, the toxin and the poison. Uh, to cut out the cancerous cells uh, that are doing the damage. The surgeon's knife is painful but therapeutic. Uh, and Jesus' words to Peter here are designed to cause him pain. In order to release the toxic guilt and shame uh, so that Peter can move on and fulfill the calling of God in his life. Uh, we need those general affirmations of peace. We need that personal touch as well on those areas of our lives which are uniquely painful and sensitive. Uh, sometimes the Lord will take us aside through our circumstances uh, put us alone uh, Facing things that we have to go through alone. No one can help me with this. I have to walk this path of bereavement. I have to walk this path of illness. I have to walk these trying, trying circumstances with my parents or my children or my grandchildren or my neighbours. The Lord gets us alone somehow uh, through our circumstances. There are those occasions where uh, he's clearly trying to get our attention. Uh, where the words the preacher speaks uh, seem to apply to me in a very unique way. Uh, I don't care whether anyone else is listening to this. He's speaking to me. Um, and we know it. Uh, the Holy Spirit has got us alone uh, before the Lord and, and is dealing uh, with, with our own hearts. Uh, it, it's hard, perhaps, to put that into words. It's, it's better felt than tell as they say. Uh, but the Lord has his ways. Of getting us alone. And showing us our. Uh, particular faults. And, and dealing with them. Uh, verse 18 and 19. Uh, confirm. That the Lord had Peter's denial. Specifically in mind. 
back in chapter 13. Peter had said, verse 36, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. You can't come now, Peter. You can't follow me now, Peter. You will follow me afterwards. Peter says, why can't I come now? Uh, That's the impulsive Peter again. I'm coming with you now. I'll lay down my life for you now and bring glory to myself. Uh, Now in chapter 21, uh, the Lord tells Peter uh, that he would feed my sheep. He'd serve the church. He'd build the church up. Uh, But that's tied to a prophecy about his death. Uh, Peter won't be in control. Uh, Peter won't be laying down his life to glorify himself. His life will be taken from him. And it will glorify God. Uh, Peter, now you are to follow Christ. Verse 19. Now is the time to follow on that path of suffering to the crown. Uh, Not pushing ahead of Jesus. Not running alongside him as an equal. uh, But following him. Uh, The Lord then gets Peter aside, singles him out, deals with his sin and then says, you are to follow me. Uh, You are to live in this close, intimate, exclusive relationship. You, Peter, will have this privilege of dying in the way that I died. A pale reflection of my crucifixion. Uh, Peter then is drawn into this exclusive relationship Uh, That's the privilege of every Christian. Uh, We need our times together. Uh, We need to be part of the family and part of the group, part of the body. And yet we all have the privilege of an intimate and exclusive relationship uh, with the Lord. He knows us by name. He deals with our faults. Uh, quietly and privately and sensitively and with so much grace. Uh, He takes us alone uh, to walk with him uh, so that uh, we can learn to trust him and lean on him and love him. These final verses then touch on one of the challenges of living together as Christians. The Lord deals with us generally and individually. He doesn't broadcast our faults. He deals with us sensitively, often in a way that's unknown to other people. The person sitting next to you doesn't know how the Lord is speaking to you. But we have to recognise that other believers have that privilege as well. Uh, Peter wants to stick his nose into the Lord's relationship with John. What about him? The Lord says, don't get sidetracked by looking at his problems. Don't get in my way by trying to fix John. Uh, Don't uh, try and deal publicly with what the Lord is doing to John privately. Uh, We need to nurture then our own walk with God. Uh, Peter was only useful to the Lord's. Uh, so far as he followed him and walked uh, closely with him. Uh, We have our specific needs then, our specific faults and failures and weaknesses and wounds. 
the Lord speaks to us generally. Uh, he continues to speak through his preached word. But he also deals with us exclusively uh, as individuals uh, by name. Uh, do you have that kind of walk with the Lord? Uh, do you have that kind of walk with the Lord? Uh, can you by faith take hold of his promises when they're preached and proclaimed? But do you also know him dealing with you and taking you aside? It's our great need, as I said at the beginning, uh, that the Lord's work in our lives is not something in the past. He dealt with me then. Uh, but something in the present that he keeps dealing with us and something for our future uh, that we walk closely with him uh, all the way. Let's ask the Lord uh, to deal with us and to have his way and his will in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you uh, tonight. The Lamb who was slain, uh, now seated on the throne of heaven. Uh, we thank you that the way you dealt with your people in the past is the way you deal with us. Uh, the same grace and sensitivity, uh, the same wisdom uh, in knowing how and when uh, to speak and challenge us, uh, the same uh, power in your word, uh, both to wound our consciences and also to heal uh, with that therapeutic touch. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship of believers and the way uh, that you do meet with us as we meet together and you do speak to us. Lord, give us faith to lay hold of your promises, we pray. But Lord, we ask also that you would have dealings with us as individuals, you know our hearts, you know our needs, you know our trials and our troubles. And we pray that as you dealt with Peter, uh, so you would take each of us aside and deal with us in the sanctity and the intimacy of our exclusive uh, relationship with you. Help us then to walk closely with you and keep in step uh, with your spirit. Uh, pray, Lord, be with us as we continue in prayer, uh, that there'd be a sense of your spirit uh, guiding and equipping us as we open our mouths uh, to bring our worship and our requests to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.